Welcome to Gateway Community Church, Webster, Texas. We're so glad you found us, and we hope this message helps you discover more about God and His unique plan for your life. Depending on God for each step or running things on my own? Trusting tomorrow's promise or taking today's payoff? Walking in courageous faith or allowing fear to rule my thoughts? What choices will you make in your next step of faith? Right here, right now. Give you some insights into some of the stuff we're doing next week. The, the ladies are also having a swap fest Friday night. I don't know exactly what that is, but everybody tells me, all the ladies say it's going to be really cool and you're going to get good stuff. So that ought to be good. The, the, uh, again, the uh, chili cook-off. But again, the, to me, the thing that really is about our long term is the prayer. It's actually 25 hours, 25 years, starting at um, 7 a.m., on Saturday morning, going to 8 a.m. on Sunday morning, and uh, we want you to pray. We, we, we believe God has been a part of what has happened here, and, and it takes going to take God to continue doing what he is doing and doing even greater things. And so we hope that you will join us. You can do that online uh, as, as a way of doing that. The, the T-shirts, you've already seen some of them out there. Be sure and get your T-shirt. We're all going to be wearing T-shirts, or many of us next week, and uh, we're just selling them for I think just $10, so not trying to make money on them, just trying to get them out there for us. And, and then baptism is a great opportunity next Sunday night to, to uh, lock your place down. Here, here is where my, this is my faith, this is what matters. And if you have not been baptized, please, please join us for that. It'll be a great way to remember as we celebrate 25 years. Our, our anniversary theme reminds us that anything good that Gateway has accomplished over these last 25 years has has really been God's story. It's been his story. It's not like we're that smart or we've done that much that we're so good. It's because God, it's it's his story. Next week, and I'll talk about more about some of God's story through Gateway as well as, as where we believe he is leading us in the coming decade to continue that story. And it is a great story of faith. And it takes eyes of faith, though, to see and understand and appreciate all God has done. And, and, and that's why our series right here, right now, the song we just sang, right here, right now, it, it has been so important. It's a, a series about Abraham, and, and it's powerful, I believe, is it helps us not only prepare to celebrate the last 25 years, but th- his story of what we are going ahead and, and the life that uh, Abraham lived. Uh, Abraham wasn't a perfect man. He, he wasn't a perfect man. He, he wasn't a perfect man of faith. Um, and yet he was a man who lived by enough faith to see God do great things in and through him. Things that are still impacting us 4,000 years later. And in a very real sense, we who call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ are Abraham's spiritual children, and he is showing us how God can work in our lives if we choose to have faith and obey to really trust him. And that's not always easy because, because as we look around the world that we live in, sometimes things don't seem to make sense or it doesn't seem to line up or it seems to be scary. Several years ago, I was with my family and some friends, and we were uh, camping up in Arkansas. 
And uh, one day we decided to do a, a, a whitewater canoe trip. Now, I say whitewater, it wasn't like, you know, Force 5 rapids or anything like that. Uh, it, it was fairly tame stuff, but it was still fun, and it was nice, and, and we knew it was a fairly safe journey. The outfitter had told us, don't worry, you're not going to have any problems or anything like that. And so we're going along, and we've been doing this for a couple of hours, and it's now mid-morning, and we've been in a stretch of about a quarter of a mile, if you've ever done that, you know, the, there are those stretches where it's kind of slow and we're canoeing. But as we're coming along and, and going through that stretch, looking ahead, trying to see where we're going, we start to see kind of a, a rock face kind of coming up out of the water. And, and there are trees along the side. And, you know, you're trying to figure, okay, where's, where's the water go? What's, what's it going to do? But as we got closer and closer, like we got to 100 yards and started looking, and it looked like the water was just hitting the rock wall. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, surely that can't be the case. But we get closer, we get to 100 feet, and it still is looking like it's just going there. What, I mean, what's the story here? We get to 50 feet, we get to 40 feet, finally at about 30 feet from the wall. All right, and the, the stream has been kind of picking up speed. It's kind of gotten a little more uh, rapids in it as we've gotten closer. Finally, in that, about that last 30 feet, we're, we come around uh, uh, some, some trees and brush that were here on the side, and all of a sudden you could see that the river took a sharp right turn against the rock face, and it just, it just turned. And, and, you know, thank, thank goodness. You know, because, I mean, I'm beginning to wonder. I mean, the, the outfitter didn't say anything about hitting a wall. He didn't say anything about any problems. And I'm thinking, what in the world is going on? I'm, you, as we were getting it at about 100 yards out, I'm starting to think, should we pull the canoes over to the side and portage and find where this thing goes? You know, we just kind of trusted that we could keep going, and yet it was easy to start getting nervous. And, 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 all, and, and yet I kept remembering, okay, we're not the first people who've canoed on this water. The outfitter didn't tell us anything that there would be anything to worry about. I, I, I know that streams don't just generally disappear into rock like this, but all the outward appearances told us with a stream picking up speed that, that this might not be safe. So it, it, as we made that turn, it really became a, a lesson to me, a lesson, in fact, of faith. That sometimes what we see really isn't the whole story. And we have to keep going by faith until God is ready to, to reveal the next step. We have to keep going because if, if we had stopped at 50 feet out and pulled over to the side, we would have missed how the journey would have kept going. We would have short-circuited what God was trying to do. The Bible says faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction the conviction of things not seen. And whether it's a stream and we're wondering whether it's going to turn or not, or it's a life and we're wondering whether we can really trust God and His Word. Our last story in this series involves exactly this idea of faith in what is probably... Uh, some of you know this, will know this story, but for some of you to maybe do, but I'm going to just tell you, it is probably one of the most disturbing stories in the entire Bible. So I want to invite you to open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 22, the very first verse. Uh, you, you can do also the YouVersion Bible app, 
or we have notes in your bulletin that you can pull out and follow along that have the scripture in some places to take notes and, and fill in the blanks. The story begins, verse 1, after these things, God tested Abraham. After these things, it says, it's kind of looking back to chapter 21, where Abraham followed the desire of his wife, Sarah, and, and really, through the affirmation of God, to send away this, this second wife, Hagar, and their son, Ishmael, uh, sometime after the birth of, of his son, Sarah, uh, Isaac, with his wife, Sarah. Now, God had told Abraham that Isaac would be the son through whom God's promises and blessings of the covenant would come, including land, becoming a great nation, having, having many descendants. But Abraham had been a hundred years old when Isaac was born, you know? So, I mean, it's not like he was a spring chicken. It was not like, well, if this doesn't work out, we can try something else. And they had been unable to have children up to this point. And, and this miraculous conception and birth was very significant. So it was hard for Abraham, hard for him to let Ishmael go. And, and yet Abraham trusted God that Isaac was to be the child of the covenant. And so he, he's got his child, he's starting to grow up, and finally it seems like maybe his life is on track. That's the end of chapter 21. But the very first thing we read in chapter 22 is that God decides to test Abraham. Though Abraham, as far as we know, is never aware of this test throughout the whole experience. And the, the Hebrew word test in the Bible here has the sense of showing what something is really like. In other words, putting it under some kind of pressure or, or some kind of challenge to see what it's really made of, okay? And it typically involves hardship or difficulty. So as we, we listen or we read this story, we... Reading this very first part of the first verse, we already know that this is a test. And so even though some of the things that come along are disturbing, it gives us a little, it kind of relieves our anxiety a little bit. But Abraham, we got to remember, Abraham is going through this not knowing this is a test and, and will be confronted with the most difficult decision of his life. And his, his son Isaac knows nothing of his own role in what God commands. So here's what it is. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Now, if that doesn't disturb you, you're not listening. To take your son. And, and notice how the text labors the point to help us empathize with Abraham. And, and, and to understand that God, in fact, understands what he's about to require of Abraham. That he is to take his son. But he doesn't just say, take your son and go sacrifice him. He says, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go here and offer him as a burnt offering. As a burnt offering. It, I mean, it, it's, it's shocking. It ought to be disturbing to us. And the only thing that kind of carries us through that keeps us going is that the Bible's already made it clear to us that God's not going to really do these things. It's a test. And, and, and he's not going to ask Abraham to kill his child. 
Centuries later, God tells Moses, who wrote this, all this in Genesis, that one of his Ten Commandments is that, that we're not to murder, we're not to kill. And, and later, God will make it clear through his prophets that, that he condemns people who practice child sacrifice. And this is really important because in our world today, some of you even know in, in here in our Bay Area community several years ago, a person made a claim that God had told them to kill their children. And what we got to be clear here is that they claim that God told them to do this, but this, this can never come from God. Never. Never, ever. And, and we know this from the start, but even though Abraham doesn't, we know it's a test. And, and, and yet hundreds of years before Moses receives the Ten Commandments, he's not a, Abraham's not aware of this. But God will make it clear. God continues to make it clear. And, and so I, I want to make it clear. We understand that this is a test. And, and Abraham is confronted, though, with this challenge uh, in obeying God and still loving his son. What does he do? Well, the, the, the goes on in verse 3, says, So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac, and he cut the wood for the burnt offering and rose and went to the place of which God had told him. Now, it, it seems really kind of inconceivable to us that, that Abraham would even consider this. Why would he ever consider? Would, if we stop and we ask ourselves, how many of us would be comfortable in considering that with our own children? Yet, here's the thing, the text, we, we know the truth, okay, we're standing on the outside, and here's the thing, the text is walking us through this very slowly, it doesn't say they, they set off, he got up early, and, and he saddled his donkey, I mean, how many times do you think the Bible tells us somebody saddled their donkey? Like, that's an important point, like, there's some biblical truth that comes through saddling your donkey, but God wants us to walk through this. He, he, he doesn't want to rush us through it. He wants us to experience what Abraham must be experiencing, even though we know the truth. He's forcing us to feel the suspense and empathize, though we don't honestly know what Abraham is feeling, because the text will never tell us. And yet, regardless of how Abraham was feeling, what we see is step by step by step, Abraham obeys God. He does the next step. We don't see him asking questions. We don't see him but, you know, saying, but, but God, or he just takes the next step. Verse 4, on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Now, here's something else to think about. The Bible never tells us why God has Abraham go three days journey. I mean, why not go a half mile, get out of Sarah's sight, and do this horrible thing there so he doesn't have to keep thinking about it. But maybe that is exactly the point. For three days, Abraham has to think about what God has told him to do and to rationalize in his mind, is there some way out of this? Surely he doesn't mean what he says. Maybe he means this, or maybe he's going to do that, or I mean, those had to be three of the longest days of Abraham's life. As he's walking along, 
Isaac is the child who has been promised to him, to whom he would have more descendants than stars in the sky. And now God says, I want you to take him and sacrifice him. And no matter what he is thinking, the fact remains that he continues. He, he continues to obey God. No matter what he may be feeling, no matter what it may cost him, and cost him in promises that God has already made. So verse 5, Abraham then said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son and took it in, in, in his hand, the fire and the knife. So they went, both of them, together. And it's interesting as you read that passage, do you remember anyone else who carried the wood that would lead to their own death. One scholar tells us as they look at Abraham here and what he says, that Abraham's response could be evasive, could be um, an expression of faith, could be a prophecy, could be a prayer. Again, we honestly don't know what Abraham's thinking. But it says, verse 9, when they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the, built the, altar, the, altar, the, altar, the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. Again, doesn't say he put him up there and took out the knife. Step by step, the tension continues to mount. Abraham has faithfully obeyed God every step of the way, not knowing what God is going to ultimately do. How is he going to ultimately fulfill his promises to Abraham that he said would come through his son Isaac? And you know, how, how often do we get to the moment of truth in living out our faith day by day? And we don't see a way to go forward in obedience to God. It doesn't make sense what maybe the Bible says I should do. Surely God's kidding. And we take matters into our own hands. How often have we, have we lived with the tension and finally decided, yeah, I'm sure God has good intentions. I, I'm, I'm sure he, he, he cares but I can't quite completely, totally trust him here. In fact, how often do we quit before we ever even begin the journey of trusting God? Because as we're looking at it from our perspective, we don't see a solution. We don't see how God's going to get us through it. We don't see how it's going to work. And so therefore, rather than starting down that road, we just take things into our own hands and say, well, surely God will understand. How often does it seem like everything around us is screaming that, that trusting God, believing what the Bible says, ta taking to heart some of the things it teaches us is just foolishness. It's just crazy. That, that giving the tithe, 10% of our income, is just for fanatics, okay? It's not for regular people. Or, or 
that forgiving that person who hurt me or hurt my child is just impossible. That there's no way my marriage could ever be revived. That this illness or this disease just left me with no hope. Or that that person, that person, or 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 me. I, I could never change. It's just the way I am. I, I just I can't do anything differently. See, this story asks Abraham and and it asks us if his faith and trust is in God or Is it in what God provides? And if what God provides, what I want, the things that would benefit me, the blessings, if somehow that's called into question, will God understand if I take matters into my own hands? See, is Abraham's faith, is your faith, is my faith, is our faith, motivated by personal gain? Or simply his love for God? I think that's one of the most important questions that any follower of Jesus has to wrestle with. Am I following Jesus because I love him or because I'm doing it for what I'll get? 1,500 years after Abraham, three Jewish young men refused to turn from God to worship Babylonian King Nebuchadnezzar's statue. And and Nebuchadnezzar threatened to throw them into an extremely hot, fiery furnace. And and, and some would have asked, well, you know, what would it have hurt to to just compromise, to save my life, to say, okay, I'll bow just so I can live because I can go on and live another day and I can make it up to you, God, the next time. But Daniel 3, it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, We don't need to defend ourselves before you. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never, we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you've set up. Never. See, guys, the Bible makes it clear that compromise is not faith. Even if our job or livelihood is on the line, even if our life is on the line. In Hebrews chapter 11 in the New Testament, It says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him, Isaac, from the dead. Now, taking into account that up until Abraham's time, no one in history had ever been resurrected from the dead or even promised it by God. There are no promises in those first chapters that somehow, someday, someone will be resurrected. And yet the Bible tells us that Abraham was willing to consider the impossible. Maybe resurrection 
maybe something else. We, we, we don't even know. And that's what faith does. It says, I will trust even when I don't know how this is going to work out. When I don't see the answers. And, and let's be really honest here, okay? Let's not sugarcoat this. Trusting God can be incredibly hard. Yeah, it's okay to trust him when things are going well, but when you are challenged at work, to your boss wants you to cross a line of integrity, and it might cost you your job. And you know where Jesus stands on that. It's hard. Because he may take you right up to the brink to test you to see if you really believe him. Because that's where we discover the truth, isn't it? We don't discover the truth when everything's going fine and working out easy. We only discover the truth when we get to that point where there is no other way to go but to take the next step of faith, obedience. And here's the thing. You, 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 maybe you're thinking, well, you know, that's fine for Abraham. He was a great man of God. Well, if you've been with us, you know that there were several things about Abraham that made him less than a perfect man. You think, well, the, those are for the people who are really courageous or brave. But when you listen to people who are courageous or, or done something brave, they will generally tell you they didn't feel that way up until the moment they had to make a decision. Courage doesn't mean I don't feel afraid. Faith doesn't mean I have all the answers or I know how this is going to work out. It means taking the step anyway. It, it, it doesn't mean that you won't feel fear or confusion about what is God doing here. The Bible walks us, I think, slowly through this test. So that we can feel that with Abraham. And somehow, in God's sovereignty, his timing is always perfect. Verse 10, then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. You, you hear the urgency in the, in the call from the angel to stop Abraham at the very last moment. Abraham has shown through his obedience that he does, in fact, fear God which doesn't simply mean a sense of being scared, but the sense of reverence and awe and worship that I must do what God says. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And because Abraham was faithful and trusted God, God provided a substitute for the sacrifice. And again, think about that. Does that sound familiar to what God did for us through Jesus. Who could have imagined that someone dying on a cross could open the door to eternity 
for you and me. And in fact, the Bible makes the case that everything we have, including our lives, is a gift from God. And when we live by faith, then we hold nothing back from Him, but give it back for His sake because He provided it to us in the first place. Jesus makes it clear that that's how we're to follow Him. And, and He doesn't say, and it will be easy, or it'll be safe, or everything will always come out and you'll have everything you ever wanted. But He does make it clear it is the best way to experience God's best. Jesus said, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but you lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? See, do you and I, do we really trust God? Not in, not in words. Not, yes, I believe in God. I believe he exists. Okay, great. The Bible says even the demons believe that. So that doesn't necessarily put us in particularly good company. Do I believe God enough to be obedient? Even when it appears it's going to work against me. Even when it appears I'm going to have a sh losses, short-term losses. Maybe it's going to affect my work situation, my family situation. But do we do it because by faith we have chosen to believe that God does know best and he does have a plan for our souls that only he can fulfill. Only he can fulfill. That's what Abraham believed. As horrible and awful as that three-day journey had to have been, this test helped Abraham understand he could completely trust God. That where God leaves, he will provide the means and the way forward. Verse 14, so Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. In fact, this place name, the Lord will provide. In Hebrew, the word is often translated into English as Jehovah Jireh. It became a name for God and a statement of faith that the God who provides all we need to accomplish everything he's called us to do will provide. If he's called us to it, he will provide it. The question is, do I trust him? Do I believe him? Or will I short-circuit it and take matters into my own hands? And, and it's amazing that this, this place, that, that this Moriah where, where God brought Abraham to, would continue to live out this name of this place, Jehovah-Jireh, a thousand years later. In 2 Chronicles 3.1, it tells us later in the Old Testament, then Solomon, the son of David, began to build a ha the house of the Lord in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah, where the Lord had appeared to David, his father. And, and we I pulled up just kind of a drawing of this. This was the old city. Uh, 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 what became known as Jerusalem is uh, originally known as Jebus when it was uh, uh, handled by Amorites and other uh, uh, non-Jewish uh, people. And here was the place. Here's the Kidron Valley. This is actually the, the over here is the uh, 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 Mount of Olives. And right up here says Mount Moriah. Up here is where Abram, Abraham made his sacrifice. And where a thousand years later, David would buy this land and his son Solomon would build the first temple for, uh, for God. 
the very first temple, the place where God met his people and received their sacrifices, until another day, another thousand years later, when God would once again offer a substitute sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice, his son Jesus Christ, on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. Once again, Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides, provided the way through our sin when it seemed that there was no way ultimately to restore our broken relationship with God. We were the sinners. We fall short of the glory of God. We are the ones who deserve the, the, the punishment that, that he took upon himself. But here is the thing. You and I will never see the results of God's provision until after we have trusted him. It is by faith, not by our works, not by our actions, not by our deeds. Verse 15, the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, by myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this, this action, and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gates of the enemies, and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. God makes it clear that his blessings are coming to Abraham and his offspring. And by the way, you and I are his offspring by faith, because by faith, he obeyed God as hard as as impossible as it seemed. The true blessings of trusting God, the true blessings of following Jesus, the true blessings of being a Christian all come through faith and obedience. If we're often failing to trust God, if, if I read scripture and I say, there's no way I can do that, I, I don't, you might be, you might be that, you can do that, but I'm not going to do that. And then you wonder why I don't feel much peace in my life. My life doesn't seem to be getting any better. In fact, in some ways, it seems to be getting worse. It's because we know we should be doing something different, but we're not trusting God. We're feeling guilt. We're feeling shame. And we're refusing to do exactly what he told us to do, to trust and obey to take that step of faith. There is no peace, there is no hope, there are no blessings if we short-circuit faith, if we take it into our own hands, if we say, God, I like you, you're a good God, I believe in you, I even call myself a Christian, but I don't trust you that much. That much. But the Bible says we who follow Jesus are Abraham's offspring through whom all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because we have obeyed God's voice. The blessings of the world come through our obedience, our trusting God. And next week we'll celebrate 25 years of his story and all that God has done here. But, but we're going to also look ahead to where we believe God is leading us that, that will require faith. 
that will require us to live by faith and obedience as disciples of Jesus Christ, as missionaries to, to our families, to our communities, to our world, sharing the incredible love of God in real and tangible ways. So I hope you will join us because it is important where we're going and it builds on the foundation of what God has already done. But as we've done through this series, right here, right now, here, here's the thing. How do you demonstrate your trust in God in at least one way beginning today? Very concrete, very real, today. Okay? Don't say, I'll, th- I'll think about it and pray and figure something out next week. Because you know what? If you're like me, you'll forget. That's why on the back of this page, this, the notes at the very bottom is that statement. And it may be that you need to write something down before you walk out of this room, before you get up from that seat. Because it's going to be easy to think, oh, he doesn't really mean it. God will give me a pass. But most of us, if we're honest, can have sensed within us there is a step God has wanted us to take. There's some step. There's something more. There's another place. There's something, some way he wants us to, to go further. And, and, and he hasn't painted the whole picture. He's just said, go. And it's hard because we want to see Mount Moriah. We want to see where it's going to take us. And all he's saying is, you just trust me in this next step. Maybe it's trusting God with your resources to start tithing, to give 10% of your income. And and we offer the 90-day challenge on our website if that helps. Maybe it's trusting God in a relationship that you're not going to give up on today. Maybe it's trusting God that, that I can act with integrity at my workplace and with my finances no matter what somebody else expects me to do. Maybe it's trusting God to discipline and disciple my kids when it takes a lot of my time. Maybe it's trusting God to practice abstinence as a single person or to be faithful in my marriage. Maybe it's, it's trusting God that he's going to lead me forward as I invest in my relationship with him, as I seek to become a disciple of Jesus Christ by, by daily spending time in his word time with him in prayer, being in a small group, finding a place to serve, and and making a commitment to come to worship with the body of Christ every week, as the Bible tells us to do. To not miss out on meeting together, as some have been doing. Because we choose to take the next step to be obedient. Because whatever it is, It requires acting in faith that somehow God is going to work in and through that. How? I don't know. What difference is it going to make in your life an hour after you do it? Maybe none. In fact, it might get worse. Because remember, Abraham didn't suddenly, when the test started, suddenly know everything was going to be fine. He walked for three days not knowing what was going to happen to his son, but knowing that he had to be obedient. I I can't even imagine the stress, the tension, the strain he felt step by step, knowing he was getting closer and closer to the place where his son would be sacrificed. 
You better believe sometimes following Christ and being obedient is going to be hard. And it's going to tax our emotions and tax our feelings. And yet, Jesus went through the cross for us. Abraham went to the mountain and received back his son. And 4,000 years later, we are here because those two men were obedient. Who's going to be here 4,000 years from now because you're obedient? Not just tomorrow or a week from now, but is it possible that there's someone in here that God is going to use to radically change the future of hundreds or thousands or millions because you chose to obey in something that was hard. I don't know. But even if it makes a difference for one, isn't that enough? And I guarantee you, it will. Take that next step toward whatever your Mount Moriah is. And trust that God will provide the way and the means as you need them, step by step, in obedience, through faith, even when God's plan may not be clear. That he will accomplish everything he wants to do through you. He will give you everything you need to do to accomplish it if you and I will trust him. If we'll simply take that next step. And you know what the good news is? Because Jesus died on that cross and sent the Holy Spirit. That for those of us who are followers of Jesus, that Spirit lives in us. The very Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is in you. To give you the power to take whatever that step may be. You can do this, I promise, by the grace of God, you can do this. Our prayer team is going to be down here, and if you need somebody to pray over you about that, please let them pray. If you need Jesus in your life to get that power, come talk to them. Join us on this journey of faith. That's the, that's the craziest thing in the world, isn't it? And yet, the church is still here after 2,000 years. I think there's something to this stuff. Our anniversary celebration, I hope you'll be a part of it. Please join us in prayer. We need God's help to accomplish all he wants us to do. We can't do it in our own strength. We need you to sign up to pray. Get you a shirt. Wear it out proudly in the community. Let people know what God is doing. 25 years of celebrating his story that has changed thousands of lives. And pray. 
and God will do abundantly more than you and I can imagine or ask. Let's pray. Father, I pray for us today to help us take whatever that next step is. Yes, Father, I would love for you to show me the whole way. I would love to see the end result. But you didn't show that to Abraham. And you haven't shown that to me. And you probably haven't shown it to most, if not all of us. But you have shown us how to take one more step. To trust you. Father, may we follow in Abraham's footsteps. A guy who wasn't perfect. A guy who at times was not faithful. A guy who struggled. A guy who, who even in being faithful felt so much hurt and anxiety and tension. And yet, when it really counted, he stayed the course. Father, may we follow in Abraham's footsteps. May we stay the course. May we take whatever that next step is. In these next five minutes, help us to know what that step is and help us be obedient. To learn more about us, visit www.gateway-community.org. Welcome to your journey. You.